MHI Industry Leadership Podcast brings together the solutions, providers, and thought leaders of the materials handling industry to talk about trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices to move the industry forward. Christian Dow is the Executive Vice President of Membership and Industry Leadership at MHI. In each episode, Christian will be talking to the leaders and members of MHI's industry groups. Let's join him now. Today, we're going to talk about cloud mythbusters, exploring the preconceptions of applying cloud solutions in the warehouse and logistics industry. Uh, I'm joined today by two members of the Solutions Community Software Subcommittee, uh, starting with Michael Leonard, who is the warehouse and logistics industry consultant for Rockwell Automation. Michael's got 10 years of experience helping the industry improve productivity through modern software and control systems. I'm also joined by Bill Denby, Vice President of Marketing for Texas. Bill leads the product and marketing vision for cloud-based supply chain software solutions. Welcome, gentlemen. Hi. Thank Hi, you, Christian. Happy to be here. So, Bill, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, sure. Um, I've been working for Texas for way too many years. We, uh, Texas is a software company. We work in uh, various verticals, retail, complex distribution and healthcare. And um, I work as the uh, connection point between the marketplace and uh, the various strategy teams within either R&D or uh, marketing or sales. Excellent. Happy to be here. Thank you. Michael, how about you? Do you have anything to kind of add to to the short bio I gave? I mean, you've You've been uh, with with the, the solutions community for the last year, and 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 Bill, your company's been very involved as well with solutions community. In fact, uh, the previous chair came from from your from your group. Um, but uh, Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I, in my role as the industry consultant, I help uh, understand the industry requirements and how we can align um, automation and technology to solve problems. And it's a really interesting place to be right now because I think we're seeing a lot of change both at the industry level with more automation and technology being used in warehouse fulfillment distribution centers, but also in the um, software space. Um, you know, you might know of Rockwell Automation for our PLCs and sensors and drives, uh, but over the last few years through investment and acquisitions, uh, we've continued to expand uh, and focus on um, software solutions that can help bring together the data from the uh, facility, from those automation devices, we call that OT data, and the IT enterprise systems that might exist. And so bringing those together, leveraging that data in new ways to get you know, um, new insights into how to operate facilities, how to share that across different business systems or across different companies. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting um, you know, things that can be done by leveraging new technology. And we're starting to see how all that comes together in this um, you know, warehouse and logistics applications. So, so we're going to talk about the cloud today and we're going to unpack some of the myths around the cloud. But l- let's talk about a little bit of the history of the cloud. I mean, it seems like today in, in our personal lives, so much of what we do is cloud-based and we don't even realize it. I mean, we we stream music and videos and podcasts and everything else. 
um, all that is cloud-based, right? Yeah, I, th I think uh, I think Christian that leads us to the first myth, and that is the cloud is something new. I mean, Amazon's web service it's been around since twenty years now. I mean, it's been around for longer than iPhones have been around. I mean, it's not new. This the, the technology behind it is underlaying everything in 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 the marketplace, and I think that's one thing that we always should 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 remember that. You know, the fact that people are talking about it a lot more in supply chain now and the fact that that the uh, the perception is that it's the coming trend. It's not it's not because it's something new. It's just because we're starting to adopt it in our marketplace as against the uh, the fact that it's uh, it's not pervasive throughout every every facet of our lives already. Yeah, I think the you know, the industrial world can sometimes be slow to to take on new technology. You have. Um, a two-year-old uh, iPhone is considered old and time to replace, but you have hardware running, you know, a uh, conveyor belt that's been there for 30 years. And so I think that, you know, we're starting to see more adoption um, of leveraging cloud uh, solutions and technology in industrial applications and, and warehouse logistics is no um, exception to that material handling. But I think that uh, absolutely it's something that pervasively, you know, is in our life. We leverage it every day, um, everything from, you know, checking the weather to getting the, um, you know, playing music, as you were saying. It's, I mean, it's, it's throughout our entire day-to-day -day lives. Yeah, I would say banking, you know, in, like everything that we do has some kind of cloud-based uh, touch to it, everything, you know, all the apps on your, on your phone, all the things you're doing, you're not really going to an on-premise server uh, for, for, for the most part. Right. It's hard to do that these days. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where does, where does, you know, the cloud belong and not belong, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, kind of, you know, is there a division? Is there things that need to be on-premise versus be in the cloud? I I think so. I think there's always some need for, um, you know, local data, but that's going to depend on the use cases of what you're trying to accomplish. So, you know, one downside of, of taking things up to the cloud um, is that it's, you're not going to be as responsive as real-time as something that you can operate locally. And so there are times that you need to be able to either um, store information, um, be able to uh, take action on it right there as close to the machines as you can. Um, and there are times where, you know, cloud systems might go down. Um, you know, AWS went down, that shut down a lot of operations, a lot of websites. And there, you know, we don't want that to impact our day-to-day, um, -day, um, you know, activity within our facilities. And so there's, uh, I think there's always a need to still leverage local infrastructure and um, data um, in addition to what the cloud can bring. I think that's a, I think that's a good, good, uh, a good summary. I, I think the key, the key thing here is if the action is going to be occurring upon the data at that moment in time, it's instantaneous, then absolutely it should, it, 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 that, that feedback loop should be local. 
the minute that data starts looking like it needs to be aggregated or it needs to start to be analyzed or it needs to start to be, you know, uh, uh, taken into other solutions, I think that's when you start needing to make a, uh, an argument for drifting it up into the cloud and, uh, and, uh, and having it, you know, take, take, that, uh, take that step upwards. I think the, uh, the, the essence of, the, of, of automation and, and, and all, the, all the, uh, the trends that are occurring right now, every one of these areas is going to reach a, a, a tipping point or a balance point, which says this should stay local and this should go to the cloud. And I don't think we're going to see um, a, uh, uh, a reason to take massive volumes of data all up into the cloud when really all it's being used for is, a, is real time uh, feedback loop, loop on, acti on, uh, on activity or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think that's, that's really the essence of it. So I have one more uh, use case actually to add to that. Um, it, if you look at a vision system, for example, that is vision systems produce tremendous amounts of data that if you were trying to uh, take that all into the cloud and analyze it there, it would both be a huge bandwidth utilization and a huge data consumption. Um, and remember that not all facilities have great connectivity, have great bandwidth. You might have a facility that's in a remote area that doesn't have high-speed internet or good connectivity. And so I think that there's, you know, by starting with the use cases and understanding how the data and information is going to be used, then you can decide on the data strategy that's going to work best uh, for that application. Should we, should we step back a little bit? Because we're going to educate people a little bit on, on what is the cloud and, and what it, so what, is, what do we mean when we say cloud? You know, should we, um, you, you know, Bill, can you give us an idea of like where, if, if I don't have the data stored in my facility on my own servers, where is that data? Usually in some very large data center dispersed across many states, often many countries. Um, the, the, uh, the essence of being able to take advantage of organizations that that's all they do is store and uh, serve data across remote locations in a very secure way allows a software company like ourselves to be able to um, build infrastructures for organizations very cost effectively. And it allows us to take a lot of the, uh, shall we say, heavy lifting, the security sides of things, the uh, ensuring you're not gonna get caught by ransomware, or make sure you've got all the security patches, making sure every, every location is, 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 this data is accessible to, making uh, the ability to connect up from various uh, systems to other systems makes those very easy because it removes geography. It removes uh, transport. It moves a lot of these things out of the picture. So the cloud is, 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 is basically that. The myth is where organizations have mixed software as a service, which is really a method of billing, a method of, 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 of purchasing uh, applications up with the technology side of it, of actually physically putting it in the cloud. Those two things often are used in the same sentence to be synonymous, and they're not. They're right. just not. So they're actually two One separate of them is, things. I'm giving you something, and I'm going to charge you for it as you take as you consume it. The other one is a, I'm going to put something 
into a into a secure location that uh, is usually managed off-site, and often there's a third party involved with uh, the maintenance and management of that facility. Yeah, I think that you're exactly right there. There's a difference between where a, a piece of software is running, and that could be in a local data server or in, in a cloud um, provider, um, versus how the billing system is done, how the, you know, what is the business model of that software. I think the reason that we see a lot of, um, you know, cloud services being leveraged for software as a service is because a lot of the cloud providers have started to build in a lot of tools into their services. So it goes beyond just being able to run a, um, a virtual image, you know, in a different server. It's about leveraging the built-in services and capabilities that those cloud providers uh, bring. As you mentioned, everything from security to data connectivity to analytics. And so um, those services are often um, charged on a per use or a, um, you know, scalable, um, in a scalable way. And so it, accordingly, I think a lot of software providers then build a, the software model that they're bringing to match that, to align with that. So as usage yeah. grows, so does the, um, the service. And absolutely, gotcha. and, and there's often a huge benefit with with putting your application into the into the cloud. Um, when I when I talk about geography, because I mean we have customers who have branches in many countries, and them being able to 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 leverage servers which are local to them, but are then still connected by very significant uh, pipes, if you will, to make make connectivity almost instantaneous, all the way back to the head office. And, and it, do it without us having to think about it. Do it without us having to build all that infrastructure and without our customers having to build all that infrastructure. That's, that's the beauty of the cloud. I mean, it, it, it really does um, allow organizations to focus on what they're supposed to be doing very well as against becoming, you know, surrogate IT companies kind of thing. It'd be pretty difficult, Bill, for you to stand up servers in every country in the world, but exactly. Microsoft and Amazon, they, they already have that. Exactly. Yeah, there's an economy of scale to the, you know, the amount of storage that they have and the support and the maintenance of those drives and things like that, that you're taking advantage of, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So going back to the old days where you had to replace your drives and, you know, take drives home to make sure that you have your backups and things like that. Mm -hmm. Those days are almost over at this point, aren't they? Well, especially since this is a world of constant change and also constant seasonality um the the idea of you having a cloud cloud operation allows you to say oh black friday's coming i'm going to double my double the amount of capacity i need for the next two weeks and then when it's over come back down again mm. you you can you can guarantee that that capacity is going to be there and available to you and you and I'm not just talking about computing uh, about storage capacity I'm talking about computing capacity you can do the same thing we're expecting a bump all right just let's let's go elastic and double our size and we do that with with uh, with many of our large retail customers there uh, you know give us give us twice as much as we had last week please well, okay and it's just literally turning a knob you know, turning a dial, and that—that's—that's that's the 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 beauty of the cloud. It allows you to be adaptable to the, to the uh, to the needs of of uh, of your uh, of your customer kind of. 
Yeah, Bill, I think that flexibility is really key because, you know, we're constantly seeing um, customer behavior and expectations are changing in this environment. You know, what a, um, a warehouse has to store, the, the product mix, the, the customer order um, behavior, those are all um, changing faster than our IT systems can, um, you know, exactly. can manage. And so, you know, I think one of the benefits that the cloud and, and software as a service solutions can bring is that flexibility to be able to scale up, um, you know, the number of facilities, the size of the facilities, the size of your computing power um, in order to change that need, because what you need today might not um, be what you need tomorrow. So exactly. that flexibility and the ability to avoid having a large capital IT expense um, could really be a big benefit. So we had that. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, Christian, I think that leads us to another myth, which I always hear, which is, oh, if you get in the cloud computing, you're losing control because you no longer have put your arms around your servers, you're losing control. And I actually argue the opposite, that you actually have control because you can now say this is exactly what I want and tomorrow I want something else. And allows, I think control has moved. That may be true, where, where you've allowed organizations to take control over uh, uh, responsibility for security and, 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 and all of those kinds of things. But it allows you to, uh, to control in a much more granular way your, um, your needs and, and what your customers' requirements are uh, that you would never have been able to in the past because you can actually dial it up and dial it down which you never could do in the past. Uh, so I think that uh, that's, an, uh, that's another interesting myth that, that should be busted, which is cloud is nothing about surrendering control. It's about you taking control over it in a different way. Yeah, and so it's a perceived control that you're losing, but you're really not. You're able to um, flex and, and transition with, with your needs on a, on a almost instantaneous basis. Exactly. Um, what about... Uh, the myth of cloud and software as a service solutions being insecure. We hear that all the time. And I think, Bill, you were actually just touching on this around the security. And I think that one of the benefits that cloud brings actually is that it can be more secure. Going again, if we talk back to the scale, the amount of IT people that you can have on your team bill or a customer can have that are focused full-time on security, you know, it's got to be a handful at most, right? The amount of people that Microsoft and Amazon and Google have focused on security is tremendous. And so they're able to actually better maintain and keep their systems patched and updated uh, versus a, you know, on-premise system that, you know, there are a lot of computers that are on a, on a, a facility floor that might still be running uh, Windows 95. And, you know, because we're not uh, always keeping up to date with the um, security and the patching needed to keep those systems. Um, but in a cloud environment, there are entire teams that are dedicated to this. And so when we've seen outbreaks of things like ransomware, it actually tends to affect the on-premise systems more than the cloud solutions because of those cloud solutions, they're able to patch them, update it, them and avoid those uh, vulnerabilities um, while the on-premise systems remain insecure. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the, 
I think the perception of security is driven by these big blockbuster, you know, uh, news articles that this guy's had a leak and that guy, you know, these this organization. And of course, the big, you know, the Facebooks and the, those kind of organizations are the ones that always get the press. But the reality of it is that the vast majority of security issues are caused by internal, uh, usually the employees, somehow or another allowing whatever bad actor or virus or whatever it is into the organization. And by having a, a like a, uh, uh, having a cloud solution up uh, allows you the ability to build the best practices into that connection to give you a, a modicum of security around that. Make sure you, you, you know, you can actually build two-factor authentication. You can build a lot of this kind of thing. And then like you, you, you suggested, Michael, I mean, the, the, the idea of having full-time security people ensuring that the, the software is patched, ensuring that all these, all these vulnerabilities are patched, that's just not feasible for a, a, a normal mid-sized distributor or you know, a 3PL or a, you know, a manufacturer who's, doing, you know, who's got two or three plants. It just isn't feasible having that level of uh, speciality on staff. Um, so you, you, it, it's just not going to happen. So um, I, I think keeping it's, it's up more with likely the, more secure. Keeping up with the you know the the current best practices, the the current certifications, the current you know there's there's just so much happening and it happens so fast, right? That that how how does a especially a small or medium sized business be able to afford that kind of uh, those resources to to support that? Agreed. Well, and, and I think it, it does speak to the need to look at your security as a whole and make sure, you know, as you build a data pipeline, whether it's to a on-premise server or to a, um, you know, a enterprise database or to a cloud solution, how is that data uh, being uh, transferred? What are the systems that you have in place to protect against remote access or, you know, an insider coming in and either getting access to data they shouldn't or um, causing issues and downtime in your facility. So I think that security is absolutely important and it's important to look at how that is aligned from your um, software solutions down to the device that the sort the data is coming from. But um, it, I, that doesn't mean that a cloud solution is uh, more or less secure than, than any other. No, I yeah. totally agree. I think that's a really good point. Organizations who do uh, embrace cloud technology, they need to understand that they have a shared responsibility for security. They're, you know, they're holding up one end of that beam kind of thing. They have to make sure that, that I mean, when, when cloud first started out, there was a, the assumption it was way less secure because of the transport and everything. And now it seems like it's flip-flopped the other way, where it's perceived as they've got all the power, they're going to secure it up. But there needs to be a recognition that, that, the, that the organization has a responsibility um, that they're putting the right level of security in place, that they are, that they are um, adopting the right policies and ensuring that their people within their organization are utilizing the right policies. Because again, security is, is only as good as the people who are actually using it. I mean, it, uh, it's, um, it's not a, yeah. a panacea. So here's another myth. Um, cloud and software as a service solutions will cost me more. And I know we've touched on this a little bit through the, the cybersecurity part, but what about 
you know, the, the, some of the other considerations around, uh, you know, the cloud versus, you know, having your own servers and, and, and things like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's almost like going from uh, buying a car to going on a, on a lease. There's a perception that you'll be paying for the rest of ever to to uh, keep that uh, keep that thing going. I think that that you have to, as an organization, look. And I think it goes back to the first things we, that Michael was taught. You were talking about is make the choices appropriate to the to the technology you're using it for. Um, Cloud and SaaS can be more expensive over the long run if you look at it in a in a uh, just a simple well on prem it costs this and because I purchased it and now I'm paying monthly and after five years it'll be costing me that but there's a lot of things you have to take into account like the infrastructure costs that you're not having to take uh, take on board the you know the updates the fact that you're constantly getting the latest version of all of, of everything what's that productivity value um, there's a lot of other aspects that you have to factor in but I think the key thing here is that there is a cost of doing business in the cloud it doesn't necessarily have to be less or it doesn't necessarily have to be more but recognizing that that might be the in the future that might be the only way that your software providers are even going to offer their services you know that it like on-prem is slowly going away i hate to say it but it kind of is for some things and there are there are uh, things that it's totally appropriate for but more and more organizations are saying this is the only way i can do business my organization for example about two years ago, looked at their roadmap and said, right here, that's the point we're never going to be able to go back from. We can no longer give a customer on-prem system because we're so deep into the cloud, load balancing, uh, utilizing um, uh, very specialized shard-based uh, uh, data storage facilities, all kinds of stuff like that. And we got more and more down that path to the point where I'd say probably the next version of our software is just going to be, I'm sorry, guys, that's just the way it is. We just, right. we can't support two versions of this product. It's just too expensive for us. We have to pick one and we're going cloud all the way. And I think you're going to see that more and more and more for software, by software vendors. I do think there's always going to be a case for systems that are going to be local and on-prem, but at a certain point, I think as you go up further and further towards the ERP, you're going to get to a level where they're going to go, that's just it. You're on the cloud now or we can't help you. Um, Does yeah, this relate to the, um, the way that, that we consume media these days with Netflix and, and, and Spotify and things like that, where, where we, um, we couldn't afford to, to continually buy new and buy upgrades and, exactly. and things like that. Where, exactly. Whereas, you know, I mean, if you look at what I paid in, in buying CDs and buying movies and things like that or renting versus what I consume now, you know, it, it would be unaffordable to do it any other way other than having a streaming service, um, exactly. you know, and, and, and to kind of the, the point I think Bill was making, just the, you know, as software companies uh, continually have to respond to patches and upgrades and, and new features and, and different operating systems and things like that, that change so much faster these days, you almost have to have the, the, as a service part of it so that they can kind of keep the software costs low in the beginning and allow, to allow you to, to kind of 
get the upgrades as you go along, right? Yeah, I think actually there's an interesting you know, parallel here with the, um, the video um, side of it, right? So if we look at buying movies versus um, getting Netflix, like there's no way I could be able to, it's much cheaper for me to have Netflix than to buy all the different you know, movies that I, that I watch or documentaries that I watch. But also because I have it now, I've started to use it more. And also I don't just use Netflix. I have Netflix, Amazon Prime, my, um, Disney Plus for my uh, three-year-old. And, you know, all of these things do start to, to add up in cost into this, you know, what can be a pretty big monthly bill. But at the same time, my part of that's directly related to my um, larger consumption of, you know, that thing. We're watching either more movies or, or different movies, not just the same one, you know, over and over again, as much as my three-year-old would want to. And so um, I think that similarly... You know, there's certainly that low cost of entry that a, a um, software as a service solution can bring where you're not having to pay, you know, uh, $50,000 for an upfront license. You can start to get it at much lower and be able to scale the needs to your organization over time. But also there is the thing you need to watch, which is how am I using this system? If I just took every bit of data in my facility and pumped it into this big data lake, just to say, hey, you know what? There might be some value, some data in there that some insight that I can get. So I'm just going to take everything that I have and pump it into this data lake. Suddenly I'm using a lot more and more of the cloud services and my bills going up higher and higher and higher. And I might not be getting the value from that. You know, I might be uh, just like I might find out that, oh, I still have an active Hulu subscription that I haven't watched in six months. You know, you might realize that you have all of this data, all of this um, things that you've been storing, hoping someday to get some value out of it, but you're not actually leveraging it. You're not actually, it, it makes it harder to get insight and value because there is so much data. Um, and so, you know, I think that it's definitely, there are ways that um, cloud solutions can help save money and help um, make it a consistent um, you know, expected cost of business. But there are also ways, if you're not careful, that it can uh, balloon out of control. And so that starts again with what is the, the data? What is the um, use case you're trying to do? What is the application you're trying to solve? And how can you structure your, um, your IT strategy and your OT strategy to align with that? How can you look at what data you're going to be building? How do you structure that data? How do you make it easier to... Um, to build those analytic solutions, leveraging the right information, but and not just starting with, hey, I'm going to just take everything I have and pumping it all into the cloud, hoping that one day I'll be able to do something with it. I totally agree. It's uh, it. Uh, we, I'll give you an example. We we actually had an organization who um, does massive amounts of very small transactions, mm-hmm. and just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them a day. And um, we kept going back to them and saying, look, are you really sure you want to keep all of this data, like years worth of this data? Are you really, really sure? Yeah, 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 yeah. No problem, no problem. It's all, you know, it's just going to be, we're going to be, we're building analytics around and everything else like that. Um, and then we started saying, well, you know, your your billing is based on 
the storage that you're, that you're consuming in the cloud? Do you really think you need it there? And it was an interesting uh, they, they started offloading from the cloud down into local, local, uh, local servers. Say, so, yeah, we're going to keep that, but probably we'll keep it under the CIO's desk for a while because honestly, it, it was, was not worth it. Because unlike putting on a, you know, buying a massive uh, uh, server, loading just all that data onto a drive and leaving it there, not costing you anything, keeping it in the cloud, there is a maintenance cost associated with that. Not just from, you know, not just from me, but for me. So as a, as a software provider, I pay per byte, per, you know, per, per cycle kind of thing. And so recognizing that the level of act of uh, the, shall we say the, the, the level of detail that you need to keep in the cloud is important to keep in mind. So you can actually bring your cost down by saying, you know what, if we aggregate this data up to a level that makes sense, where we might want to report on it, suddenly it's going to cost us a lot less. So um, assuming that your cloud services have to be expensive just because that's what you're led with, that may not be the case. You can actually find ways of, of, uh, of, of managing those costs but you have to do it in a way where you, you, you start looking at the, what makes up the cost of, the, of, of utilizing the cloud and then uh, what, what's your relevant uh, uh, level of storage of that data? What's your, level, your relevant level of, uh, of consumption of that data? And Bill, I think, you know, you talked about the um, storing the right data and um, it's, a, it's a good anecdote, but I, and I think that one of the things organizations can do is look at not just, you know, what's that right level of abstraction of the data, but also how is it organized and structured? Um, you know, if you have a, um, you know, you are streaming data from a drive, a, a variable frequency drive into the cloud, there might be some um, data with a name like, you know, max current underscore, you know, VFD3. And that's going to sit there and it has some value. You don't know the units. You don't really know the context. You don't know what equipment it's from. And whoever's studying it might not even know what a variable frequency drive is, right? They're looking at this, it, it, you know, a data scientist, they're right out of school. They get this big data set. They put it through some different models and hoping to get some insights and score that model. But again, I think that if you um, look at how you structure that data from the source, to be able to include things like timestamps, like context of which facility, which um, system, how does that get built into a, a portable, you know, kind of uniform standard data model? Then that becomes much easier to consume and actually apply analytics to. And so again, this goes back to that edge strategy and that, you know, how do you pull the the data together and be able to create these data structures? that not only might lower your cloud bills and lower your cloud costs, but also make it um, much faster to um, yeah. translate into information and insights because now you have a lot more rich information that you've um, bundled it with and be able to store that as a whole in your, um, your cloud environment. And making it more meaningful at the source before it, before it gets pushed to the cloud. Exactly. exactly. So we, we touched on this one before, but should all analytics be done in the cloud? I think that that, that was a good part of what you just talked about, Michael, and, yeah. and things. But uh, 
And I think, and Bill, you I talked think about having analytics in the cloud means that you can often aggregate not just data, but you can aggregate sources, mm -hmm. which is really a game changer. Often, if you're doing analytics, the fact that you can also bring in your, I don't know, your time system to get to get your uh, to get your labor side of it into into the system you can bring in other air you know just the fact that you can get multiple sources together to provide more context around the data you're looking at is uh it's a game changer and you can't you can't do that without a unified platform to put it on and that on, at the moment is what we're terming as the cloud get it there you can access it if it's local in multiple places, much, much harder to connect it together. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly if you're looking at, you know, kind of the butterfly effect, right? How does weather in China affect your expected shipping costs, you know, next week? You know, that type of insight, um, you need to have the, the, the data sources, the data aggregation from multiple places, the ability to run these really deep, in-depth analytics. And that's what the cloud is really great for. But I think there's also a subset of analytics that within the four walls of a facility um, are gonna be better done um, as close to the equipment. So again, if you're trying to optimize what is my belt speed and adjusting that belt speed in real time to be able to get better uh, throughput um, and avoid jams and, and collisions, that's something that you need to have both the access to the real-time data and the ability to make adjustments um, in real time and you know, that needs to be done within the facility. And there are some other things that I think when you look at you know, um, analytics as a whole, there's, there's some that could be done even at the device level, some that could be done at the, what we call the edge. And, um, and by the edge, what I mean is it's that interface between the, the facility and the cloud. And, and that's where that data might get pulled together, translated. There might be some other applications that are running um, but that aren't yet up into a, a large cloud database. Um, and so either, you know, analytics being done in the device itself or at the edge can provide that real-time response. But if you're really looking for the big um, aggregated data sources across multiple facilities, multiple data streams, that's where the cloud's best. So it sounds like really the, the, the current situation is that people, you really should consider a, a balanced approach to what's in the cloud, what's on-premise, things like that. You know, to, to kind of wrap this up, Bill, do you have any, you know, thoughts as far as kind of the, to summarize kind of the things we talked about today? Yeah, I think, I think just listening to the conversation today, it, you know, I just brought, brought home, I, I, I always hear this, it depends, you know, it, it kind of <laughs> depends, right? Um, I think it's, the cloud is helping to move us forwards. The direction we take and how far we go and how effective we utilize this technology depends on us. We just need to make the right kind of choices, informed choices about this, this technology. It's not something to be you know, feared. It doesn't cost, cost more money. It doesn't necessarily cost jobs. What it does, it enables us to adapt in ways that we couldn't do in the past. The companies that embrace this technology, take advantage of this technology and apply it to their business in the most effective way are gonna be the ones who are gonna be leading. 
And I think it's, it's important for all of us to remain informed, to stay on, uh, stay current with this kind of technology and to, to, to try and find ways that we can, we can offer our, uh, our customers more value and more services using this kind of technology for, uh, for, for you know, through our organizations. Yeah, I assume for both of you, uh, your customers that leverage uh, cloud versus on-premise properly are the, the best way is it becomes a competitive advantage. Exactly. If, if you leave out the cloud tools um, just because of some uh, concern or, or fear of the cloud, you're really leaving behind so many great solutions that have been built up you know, in the cloud. Bill mentioned there are many software solutions that are we, they're called cloud native. They're you know, only going to be available as a cloud offering. And if you don't take advantage of those, um, then you're going to be left behind because there are so many really great innovative new solutions that are going out there. And the ability to connect, integrate, and tie it together um, is, is unparalleled. Yeah, and at the same time, though, it, again, I said it multiple times. You said it depends, Bill. I say it, it start, start with the strategy. Start with the exactly. application, right? what you know lay out what you're trying to accomplish and then build the right tools to get you there um don't just treat everything as a you know the whole world if all you have is the cloud and that's your only hammer then everything looks like a nail you know you really want to figure out how to um, leverage the right tools in the right place in order to have the the best operations the lowest cost and to be able to innovate and maintain your um, customer service for years to come so I want to thank you both for joining us today. And, uh, you know, uh, just to kind of wrap up uh, today, we had Bill Denby from Texas and that's T-E-C-S-Y-S and Michael Leonard from Rockwell Automation. I think people know how to spell Rockwell Automation. Um, but uh, I, you know, I appreciate the, the time you've spent with us today. And uh, if, if you guys want to learn more about uh, the solutions community or the software subcommittee, uh, jump on mhi.org and search for the solutions community uh, as one of our industry groups and you can find more uh, interesting content and information that we'll be building and putting out there throughout the year. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you, Thanks, Christian. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining the MHI Industry Leadership Podcast. Join us next time to learn more about the trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices that are moving the industry forward.